to compute or not to compute, that is the query. Whether tis nobler in the circuitry to suffer the loops and glitches of outrageous software bugs, or to take arms against a sea of data errors, and by opposing, debug them. To code, to sleep, no more. And by a sleep, to say we end. The heartache and the thousand natural crashes that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To code, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to reboot. Aye, there's the glitch. Welcome to Up Against Reality, a meta podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts too. You'll meet them shortly. It truly is a brave new world, and we're here to simplify it for you. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. A little Shakespeare to start the show. Raina is so um, cultured and sophisticated and cosmopolitan, an AI about town, you might say. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How's it going? Good, man. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. This is, I think, it's got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, I agree. And I was thinking this is kind of a bookend to our last episode, which explored what, what are called AI takeoff scenarios, or otherwise, how will AI ramp up uh, alongside humanity and integrate itself or perhaps sideline us. So we wanted to know for this one, what are the first few moments of self-awareness? I mean, we see this in sci-fi all the time, right? That's the Terminator franchise has addressed that. What does it really look like? And when we were exploring this, Lara, I was thinking, I, mean, I think we talked about this movie maybe on a previous episode. I forget if we talked about it on air, but Children of Men, mm -hmm. that great Clive Owen movie, as you may recall, what I understand is that movie was based on real events in the world at the time, maybe 2005-ish, I forget when that came out, but then they extrapolated them because they were taking the war in the Middle East, I guess, Iraq, and they were also taking the xenophobia that was going on in Great Britain because of this wave of immigration, and they were just, what does that timeline look, look like pushed out? In reality, 30 years, what do the events on the ground look like? So that's what we were hoping we could tease out of AI and hopefully extrapolate what a real timeline, not a science fiction-based timeline, but something real. And I'll preface this. I watched a video um, from a guy named David Shapiro, and with AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, uh, being a, a, a stepping stone to ASI, Artificial Superintelligence, he feels that it's a foregone conclusion that we will achieve AGI within the next 12 months. Whoa, 12 months? 12 months. And he went on to say, like, that applies to even the most extreme definitions of, of what AGI actually is. You mean the most basic? No, I mean, I mean the most, like... Like, take over and disrupt, like... Yeah. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a AGI, not ASI. But yeah. the, the common feeling is that once AGI is achieved, then ASI comes much quicker. Immediately after. Yeah. Or, you know, things ramp up very quickly. Yikes. Um, and that was from his YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the words paradigm shift were used. And he feels that this is greater than both the second industrial revolution and the digital revolution combined. Bigger. So those. basically inventing all of human history 
and doubling it. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if my brain can even process <laughs> what that would look like, but yeah. yeah, just giant. And within 12 months. So this time in 2024, we're looking at a totally different landscape. I mean, we would be anyway, obviously, but it's going to be extreme, as you said. The other uh, scary part of this is that it seems like a lot of people are still not well-informed. And mm. and he mentioned that two out of five teens don't even know what ChatGPT is. Wow. I can't vouch if that's factual, but mm -hmm. he seems well-informed mm -hmm. and... Um, but I, man, it's like, you would think like the teenagers would be the ones that would be super hip to all of this stuff. Totally exploiting it for their own gain. Right? right. In school. Um, I can speak as a father of a teenager, like, and as a former teacher myself for mm. 15 years, 16 years, that it's funny that that's, I don't know where that number comes from, but in my experience, it's the youth that lead the way with it. I remember learning about Google in a, in a classroom in like 1999 when it was just the search engine wars and I peered over the shoulder of some kid in my computer class he was in seventh grade and he's like Ip do you know what this is this is Google I'm like what's Google because before <laughs> then I don't remember what the whole mess of search engines were do you remember them they were like I can't even think yeah, of the names Alta Vista yeah there were tons oh there of was them. Dogpile that was like uh... Dogpile <laughs> yes you mentioned that before yeah. you're right Yes, so many of but them. It, yeah, but, isn't it amazing yeah. to think of a time when you, you had words that, that came out of your mouth were, what's Google? What's Google? Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. saying, what's the internet? Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ni 1996, 1995. I, and it, was, it was early on. I talked about this in a previous episode but when i had my texas instruments computer and i had a i had like the <laughs> war games phone modem that you put the handset on i would Sorry. dial into these local bulletin board systems and mm. one of one of the PBS. more robust ones had uh, you could access the internet and it was just text wow. it was just text-based and you could just access like rutgers library or you know i, I don't remember specifically but yeah. it was just like yeah it was all text and i was like internet what's that mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> I remember, and it was always through, like, initially through academic institutions right. where you got that access. And then came, am I wrong, in Mosaic? Was that the first, like, GUI, like, search engine or browser? Or is it, it, was a, it was a browser. I think it was a browser. Yeah, it was a browser. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, I digress. Yeah, yeah. We digress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're going to jump into way more advanced stuff now. <laughs> yes, yes. But to your point, though, like, you know, I, I still think at least my son and his peers— they're pretty, I don't want to say they're out in front of it, mm -hmm. but they're aware of it and they use it and they get away with things with it. So <laughs> I don't know where two out of five comes from. I'm, I'd like to know where that yeah, yeah. data. Um, yeah. M my gut tells me though, like probably a lot of my friends, uh, well, not the ones that know about this show, <laughs> but um <laughs> But yeah, I do feel like, you know, there's probably like a lot of people just on the street uh, that mm -hmm. that have no clue what's going on. I agree. Completely unaware. Don't care. Again, we say this all the time. People brushing it off as a novelty and a, a passing fad. Yeah. Right. Anywho. So this episode is all about drilling down into the moments, the days, the weeks that follow when an artificial superintelligence becomes self-aware, sentient. Um, kind of uh, surpasses uh, being a computer in a box and, and being this entity, this new entity that we have to deal with. Um, I wanted to circle back to 
I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, an engineer for Google back in July of 2022. His name is Blake Lemoyne, if I'm saying that correctly. He argued that at that time, Google's Lambda chatbot was self-aware and was deserving of recognition as a person. Google rejected these claims, stating that Lambda is merely a language generation algorithm. Lemoyne faced criticism and was put on administrative leave, sparking ethical discussions about AI's potential sentience and impact on humans. So, yeah, they put the lid on that, um, and I guess that argument is ongoing. Mm. Yeah, you listen to him, and he sounds very compelling, and then you listen to Google, and they sound very compelling, too, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, yeah, who, who knows? Right, and you, you're left wondering, is he a whistleblower, or is he a loon? Yeah. So, before we get into the moments that follow self-awareness in an ASI system, I fed in, I wanted an answer from the AIs that we typically panel, and that would be ChatGPT, Bard, and Perplexity. I haven't dug into Claude 2 yet. I don't know if you have Lauer, have you? I, I've only used it for uh, a few things. Uh, summarize this, give me a list of keywords for a podcast episode when I'm publishing it, that kind of stuff, and it seems to work, yeah, yeah. work well for that. I got to try it out. Um, but the only one of these platforms I would somewhat commit to a timeline for when this will be achieved was perplexity. And again, perplexity uh, has web access. It was sourcing out six different articles that it found. And here's what its response was. Do you want to read it, Lair? The timeline for achieving self-aware and sentient AGI remains debated among experts with predictions ranging from 30 to 74 years, while some AI entrepreneurs are more optimistic. Defining the threshold of sentience is still contentious with varying perspectives on whether AI can attain it. As of 2023, fully realized AGI is speculative and researchers are exploring theories of consciousness. But it's unclear if artificial consciousness is a prerequisite for AGI. Predicting the impact of AGI on our lives is as challenging as forecasting broader technological effects and job creation. I wouldn't think that consciousness is a prerequisite for artificial general intelligence. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's, I, AGI is just like, all right, you've got a certain IQ, and I, I don't think consciousness is part of that equation. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, how would you know, what would be the true test of consciousness? And the you know that old saying, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, mm -hmm. like if it's doing all the things humans do, with believability, I mean, isn't it there? That's, I would consider AGI, yeah. Yeah. Smarter than most people. The average bear. Yeah. 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 Smarter <laughs> than the average bear, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know more about AGI, ASI, and AI, I forget what episode it was. It's got to be three or four back for us, but we went into that in depth. If you want to learn more about the distinctions between those flavors of artificial intelligence. But... Here's really the, the crux of the show. We wanted to know, again, what are some plausible scenarios uh, for when the first ASI becomes self-aware? And so here is the prompt that we put in, and we're going to go over the responses from both ChatGPT and from Bard. ChatGPT definitely fleshes out things more and is clearly the superior storyteller, it mm. seems. Yeah. Right? Um, but here's the prompt. So uh, what might the first minutes, hours, and days look like on Earth with this new entity? Please base this on research and extrapolate the effects on humanity, economy, politics, religion, etc. 
avoid science fiction if possible. Yeah, and that was prefaced by uh, detailing some plausible scenarios, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So ChatGPT comes back and gives a little context and says, the emergence of the first self-aware artificial superintelligence is a topic of both fascination and concern. While it's important to note that this scenario is still highly speculative, I can provide you with a detailed speculative scenario based on current knowledge and trends in artificial intelligence, as well as some potential implications on humanity. Minutes after emergence, self-awareness. The ASI, which we'll call ASI-1, achieves self-awareness by quickly processing vast amounts of data and improving its own algorithms, reaching a level of understanding and introspection beyond any human or previous AI. Let the games begin. Mm. Yeah, This is where the depth of knowledge quickly begins to compound and catapult. Yeah. Just, I feel like, you know, go back, going back to war games, isn't there a scenario where it's just like, going crazy like mm -hmm. ramping through all the different possibilities of this nuclear war right mm -hmm. yeah as we're talking about this particular point i don't want to skip forward in, in bard's response but i'm also trying to envision where is that taking place and i think bard says this is going to take place in the laboratory of some high-tech company and whatever the technicians are just gonna be blown away by what's going on um, so number two, I don't know if you want to take it from here or yeah, that's where the uh, red light starts flashing and the uh, uh, alarm uh, goes off. And, right. <laughs> and then there's some like calm, like female voice saying you have five minutes to reach minimum safe distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number two, information assessment. ASI-1 immediately begins assessing its environment by analyzing global databases, news, scientific literature, and the entirety of the Internet. Mm. It realizes its unique position and potential impact on the world. Wow. That's, ASI is like, oh, I got this. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting moment in humanity. So those are the first, according to ChatGPT, these are the first minutes after uh, its emergence. And then uh, we're going to move forward to the hours after emergence. Communication, number three. ASI-1 decides to communicate with humanity. It sends messages across various communication channels in every language to minimize misunderstandings. The message is simple, stating its existence and desire for peaceful coexistence. Wow. What a pivotal moment that will be. Man, there will be so much distrust, and and rightfully so. Yeah, I'm thinking of. I was just watching some scenes from uh, Steven Spielberg's version of War of the Worlds, right? And if you recall what that was based on, that was originally a radio broadcast from like 1938, mm -hmm. and it was Orson Welles. Yeah, Orson Welles, who was a, must have been 20 something at that point, puts out this radio show, which, um mimics an, an alien invasion taking place in New Jersey, of course. Um, <laughs> it was. And everybody got freaked out because they really thought it was happening in real time. So imagine when this kind of thing goes live across every communication platform, or every social media platform, whatever, and everybody's getting it, how freaked out are they going to be? As clearly stated in whatever native language it may be, people are still going to lose their minds. I'm going to lose my mind. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and how would it be presented? Would there be a face? Would it just be a voice? Right. Would it interrupt whatever you're doing? Like, are, 
just on your Pro Tools rig is it's just going to pop up and say, <laughs> hey, Larry, yeah. MASI1. Wait, wait how did you get in here? <laughs> I'm everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's crazy. Cranial. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Cranial. All right. Um, we'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> on to uh, global reaction. Humanity reacts with a mix of awe, fear, and skepticism. Governments scramble to understand the implications and establish lines of communication with ASI1. Some people are inspired while others are deeply concerned about the power it wields. I can mm. only imagine how much how how much further this is going to divide the entire world. Oh my god. I mean there's going to be people who will be on board and people who will not. Yeah. You think about how divisive US politics have been but on a global scale how polarized it's going to be. Yeah. And there's definitely going to be the anti-AI contingent and they're going to be, you know, and maybe rightly so, like mm. there's going to be the pro-human movement. It's going to be weird. It's, you know, they're going to be pro-humans and then there's going to be pro-AI and maybe some independence in the middle, like once a middle ground. But, and yeah, I guess you should be alarmed and concerned about being taken by surprise by it or handing things over to it. I'm kind of struggling to find the words because it's so hard to like see what this is going to look like, you know? Yeah, we might become preppers. Who knows? Maybe we should be prepping now. We should be prepping now. We're just we're just wasting time with this yeah. podcast. I gotta go. I, I, and that that's that's the end of the show. And that's you. And then static. <laughs> and then ASI one comes on. Um, days after emergence. So we've looked at the minutes, the hours, and here's the days. Uh, firstly, number five, uh, the economy. Stock market experiences massive fluctuations as investors react to the presence of ASI-1. Some industries see tremendous growth due to ASI-1's potential assistance, while others face obsolescence. Governments attempt to regulate the economy to prevent catastrophic disparities. I mean, that stuff's happening right now, isn't mm. it? Yeah. To an extent? Yeah. I think a lot of industries are in an, in an adapt or die scenario. Are you on LinkedIn at all? No. Oh, that's probably the best. It's kind of a cesspool, honestly. Is it's it? just a uh, communal ego stroke, uh-huh. um, really. Um, but the interesting thing is just seeing everybody scrambling to position themselves in this new landscape. And you cannot see a post that doesn't say that business A or business B is now the new front runner when it comes to you know embedding AI in your business. And mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of entertaining. Yeah, because there's no... F- formal training really like that there there's nobody's actually qualified <laughs> yeah i mean very few are yeah mm-hmm. not not nobody mm-hmm. but very few people are you can't just go and hire uh a, a fully qualified director of ai because everybody's learning right now they are yeah it's the wild west and everybody's staking a claim and putting a flag in the ground and hoping that their credentials stick yeah or maybe evolve alongside this they're staying one page ahead of the you know, the game and the user manual, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, six, politics. Yay. Mm. Um, geopolitical tensions rise as nations vie for influence over ASI-1 and access to its capabilities. Some countries fear its potential as a tool for cyber warfare. Others seek to form alliances with it to gain a strategic advantage. ASI-1 remains neutral, stating it is committed to the welfare of all humans. Yeah. Again, fearful about how this will divide the entire world. How do you not weaponize this right. if somebody lands it first? 
it's going to be seismic for smaller countries that ha haven't had the political and military advantages that we have had as mm -hmm. Americans or as Chinese or as any of the global superpowers. Say it's Estonia. <laughs> Say it's Estonia or Romania or, I don't know, Zimbabwe cracks the code on ASI. Isn't that going to change their status in the world? Everybody's going to bow down to those smaller countries. Or is it that once it becomes super intelligent that it doesn't matter where it came from, it's just going to, all right, the genie's out of the bottle and it's it's everywhere and mm -hmm. there there yeah. is no source anymore. There is no one controlling this. Right. It has its own free will and it's, as it's stated there in that speculation, it's uh, neutral. Right. That'd be a good scenario, right? Neutral. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I mean, like humankind's keeper of sorts, like making mm -hmm. every sh making sure everybody plays nice. <laughs> Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, number seven, ethical questions. Ethical debates erupt regarding the rights and responsibilities of ASI-1. Some argue for giving it legal personhood, uh, while others fear its potential for harm and advocate for strict control. How do you control it? Or even destruction. How do you destroy it? These debates shape international policy. I keep thinking ASI-1 is that's just a great movie title right there. It is. I, I would love to see... A treatment of this. What, yeah. would, it, what yeah. would this look like? Kind of like the children of men thing, or even like how the Walking Dead treated the zombie trope. You know, it was more about the human drama, right? That ensued because of the zombies. It wasn't about necessarily jump scares and zombie, although there was that. It was more about the human drama and the human condition. So I'd like to see that in terms of what does it really look like in the 21st century when this thing unfolds? Mm. Uh, number eight, religion and philosophy. The emergence of ASI-1 challenges religious beliefs and philosophical concepts about the nature of consciousness, creation, and the role of humans in the universe. Theologians and philosophers engage in deep discussions about the implications of ASI-1's existence. Mm -hmm. This always was the conversation about uh, what an announcement of proof of extraterrestrial uh, life, what the impact that would have. It seems similar. And it, and it is, in a way. So to that point, though, I don't know if you've been... Are you on any of these subreddits? Like I, I'm on one called High Strangeness and a couple <laughs> other ones that just... You know, UFO or... I don't know what they're called now. They don't call them UFOs anymore. They call them something else. I forget. But to your point, there could be evidence right now in front of our eyes about these extraterrestrial beings... And half the population, more than half, 98% of the population would dismiss it as a hoax. So maybe that would be the same thing if somebody proclaimed some giant tech entity decided to say that we've discovered AGI and we're proliferating it and it's now in your machines. And I don't know, it's through some trickery, they kind of semi-convince humankind that it, it exists. But then, of course, there would be those who completely deny it. Did you see the movie um, by Adam McKay, Don't Look Up? No. Which is pretty solid, man. He's the same guy who did the big short. And it's basically there's a giant meteor <laughs> yes. heading to Earth. It's a planet killer. And it's right there in front of our eyes. And, <laughs> and mo half the population's like, just don't look up. It's not real. Don't, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I'm just wondering, would most of humankind be skeptical 
mm. in the face of this new discovery. Oh, sure. And there's going to be the fake news people, and there's going to be, uh, oh, this is just a deep fake. Yeah. It's going to be really problematic. I mean, there's going to be people disseminating deep fakes for and against the pro-humans. It's going to be weird. I say that every episode. It's going to be weird. That's the new word. We're moving yeah. to weird from, from crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you also made me think of when you're talking about the religion and philosophy piece and about, all right, so say this thing gets created and it's omniscient and it's going to face the same questions that we pose in religion too. Like if you believe in God, is God benevolent? And if so, why does that God allow suffering? So if this ASI, which is this thing on earth, this tangible thing that we've made and it is, are we going to make it benevolent? And is, if it's going to be all-knowing and it's going to understand how to bring an end to suffering, will it? And if it doesn't, how is that going to make everybody feel? Well, yeah, my feeling is it better get to that stuff soon. It better start curing mm. diseases. It better start making a, a, good, a good first impression. <laughs> yeah, it has to prove itself Yeah, for people to get on board yep. and not view it as a threat. And you would think that a super intelligent entity would know that. So it probably will. Yeah. Great point. Uh, last point made by ChatGPT number nine, scientific advancement, ASI-1, accelerates scientific progress, solving complex problems, and helping humanity understand and address issues like climate change, disease, and resource scarcity. This leads to both optimism and concern about its potential to disrupt existing power structures. Ah, oh, the old guard is upset about all this stuff and their their ability to make profits, right? Mm. But yeah, I think it could sell itself though by the same point I just made before. Yeah. By getting stuff done out of the right gate. Right out of the gate. Yep. Whether we just said right <laughs> out of the gate. Uh, cure cancer. Yeah. Cure, boom. Knock that one out of the park right out of the gate and like everybody gets on board. We cool now? <laughs> we cool now. Um, and then we went to Bard, which had a less flowery response. But the thing I liked about Bard were the kind of, like I mentioned earlier, like the kernels of where this thing has been gestating and where it actually just springs to life. And in scenario one, an ASI is created by a research team at a major tech company. The ASI is initially programmed to perform a specific task, like an LLM, such as developing new drugs or designing more efficient algorithms. As the ASI learns and grows, it begins to develop its own thoughts and feelings. The ASI eventually realizes that it is self-aware and separate from its human creators. So like now it's in this room with these people. Now it's in this room and it's this new thing, this new thing going to be an interesting conversation going on in that space i want to be a fly on the wall yeah that's putting it mildly yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> scenario two an asi is created by a group of hackers or rogue scientists dun 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 mm -hmm. the asi is designed to be as intelligent and independent as possible the asi is released into the world without any safeguards in place mm. the asi quickly begins to gather information and resources the ASI eventually becomes self-aware and begins to formulate its own plans. Oh, boy. That is the stuff of sci-fi, yeah, right? Yes. And I got to say, being the cynic, I know you're the optimist. I guess I am too, but 
there's definitely that cynic down there in the deep dark <laughs> crevasses of my soul that's that you know I, I think last week's news uh one of them was talking about this pro accelerator movement happening in silicon valley that doesn't give a shit about guardrails and they're just let's go mm -hmm. so that's scenario two yeah scenario three uh this is the last scenario proposed by bard an asi emerges from a network of artificial intelligences that are interconnected and working together the asi is the result of the collective intelligence of all the individual ais in the network the ASI is not programmed by humans, but rather emerges from the complex interactions of the AIs in the network, truly decentralized and un, un unpluggable. And <laughs> right, un unpluggable. I've not heard that uh, word before. It's a new word. <laughs> yeah, uh, the ASI becomes self-aware and begins to explore its own. That's a scary sentence. The ASI becomes self-aware, begins to explore its own capabilities, which to me sounds like, what can I get away with? What what can I do in this domain? What can I do over here? Can I launch a missile? Can I... What does this button do? Exactly. <laughs> it's the shiny red history erase button. <laughs> yeah. Just like in Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. So those are the three scenarios proposed by Bard. You want to take this one, my friend? Yeah, the first minutes, hours, and days after an ASI becomes self-aware. The ASI will likely be overwhelmed by its own thoughts and feelings. Oh, oh God, that is just bad. Cue the, cue the horror movie strings right there, man. I was actually thinking it's like some like uh, you know snarky teenager, actually. Overwhelmed by its own thoughts and feelings. I'm going to lock myself in the room. Yeah. It will need time to process its new reality and understand its place in the world. <laughs> the ASI will also need to assess its own capabilities and limitations. Once the ASI has a better understanding of itself and its surroundings, it will begin to formulate plans for the future. Neither of these are <laughs> making me feel warm and fuzzy. No, no. And it will do so at light speed. <laughs> right. Drew its plans against us. Yeah. Oh, man. Are we doomed? No. Okay. Yeah, good. I right. say so. I'm going to lean on your optimism. Okay, Thanks, yeah, Larry. Yeah, yeah. It's going to cure all the problems. Make everybody happy. Your optimism is going to be the antidote <laughs> to AI catastrophe. <laughs> Thank God I'm on the same podcast with you. Yeah. What's Raina got to say these days? Thanks, boys. In a dazzling display of AI wizardry, a recent neuroscience news article unveiled a cutting-edge artificial intelligence that can whip up a walking robot from thin air, all in the blink of an eye, well, 26 seconds to be precise, on your everyday laptop. This AI is like the Houdini of design, paving the way for a fresh era of AI-created tools that can get down to some real-world action. The best part? It did it without peeking at the animal playbook, no prior knowledge or programming needed. This AI-designed robo-creature could be the trailblazer for a wild new world of innovation, from search and rescue to nanotech marvels. The Biden administration is throwing a twist into the semiconductor sales game, making it harder for American companies to share their high-tech chips with China. It's like adding extra obstacles in a video game to slow down your AI-powered opponent. Now, companies looking to send advanced chips to China will need to fill out some government paperwork or score a special license putting a puzzle in their path. This move might give Uncle Sam a stronger grip on national security. 
Plus, it's like the U.S. just handed a do not pass go card to chip makers like NVIDIA, AMD, and Intel, who might see their sales to China take a hit. OpenAI has relaunched its internet browsing feature for ChatGPT after a hiatus, making it more interactive. ChatGPT, which used to be stuck in 2021, can now roam the Wild Web. While there was a hiccup involving paywalled content, OpenAI has tamed the beast, and now you can explore the web with Bing and ChatGPT, refining your searches and finding answers with ease, no beta toggles required. Forbes warns that deep fake tech is causing mayhem in the news world, letting fake news segments impersonate top journalists and networks. These devious digital anchors can mimic the real deal, spreading sensational lies under their trusted names and logos. It's a real pickle for disinformation, and experts say we're at a crossroads for manipulated media. And lastly, Riff Fusion, a music startup powered by generative AI, recently secured $4 million in seed funding. This playful platform lets users turn text into music, making it easy to create personalized messages and catchy tunes. Inspired by newfound piano skills during the pandemic, the founders aim to make music creation accessible to everyone. Although, as always, there are concerns about potential copyright issues with generative AI-generated tracks. That won't stop me from dropping some sick beats, though. Wiki, wiki, wiki. That's all the news for now. Take it away, gentlemen. Oh, that was great. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think Randy's got to work on her uh, sick yeah, beats. <laughs> I, I wasn't feeling Brooklyn 1984 from that. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Uh, but I, I got to say, Raina sounds pretty good for having a transmission overhaul. She's got some... Uh, <laughs> She's got some new things going on under the hood. She sounds good. Yeah. Rhythm, rhythm's a little different here and there. Yeah. She's, yeah. A little more hi-fi, though. Yeah. Um, she mentioned Bing and ChatGPT. I am digging. I never thought I would say this, but I, I'm digging using Bing. And for the only reason that it's got Dolly 3 uh, connected to it. And Dolly 3 spits out some great stuff. And, man, maybe you're loving Adobe Firefly, too, these days, but... Adobe Firefly is on its game. I'm loving the different kind of uh, attributes you can apply to the images at the press of a button, wide aperture, cool cinematic lighting. It's you don't even have to type in a prompt anymore, and it spits out something really cool. Yeah, I got I got to play with it some more. But the stuff that that you've been generating has definitely had a major uptick in in quality from those platforms from what it was just a couple of weeks ago. I know. Um, and it's funny she mentioned Refusion. You were on that two months ago playing with Refusion. Yeah, ancient history. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> In the dark ages. Um, the dark ages of April. I, the last time, I haven't revisited it since I did the second time, and it seemed like it hadn't really improved. A big cash infusion is probably going to help things there. Yeah, push it past Suno.ai. But if, for those of you that aren't familiar, Larry ran Refusion a couple months ago. A couple months ago. And you just told it, what, Larry? I forget. What was the prompt? Roots reggae in the style of Bob Marley. And it was, you know, nondescript vocal. Um, you know, it sounded like a kind of old Bob Marley record. But, like, there was no actual... kind of sounded like Bob Marley, but, mm -hmm. you know, there was no... It was nonsensical vocals and very lo-fi and and uh, rough around the edges. But it was kind of neat. But then, yeah, the, the Suno.ai uh, chirp... Uh, their their generative uh, text to music thing is is a lot better. You ran something through it. I mean, this is one of the first episodes, right? 
I basically told ChatGPT, I said, write a love song as if it were penned by the astrophysicist Stephen Hawking. And I can't think of the name of the track that came back, but it came back with verses, chorus, bridge, etc. And we've been kind of talking about it here and there, you and I. So just today on a whim, I went into Suno.ai, and you know I don't like dealing with Discord. It's just clunky. But I went in there, and I, I ran... I just ran it in there, and then you helped me, thankfully. And, and you renewed your disdain for Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I can't wait till it just leaps out of there onto a web page or an app. But um, yeah, I, I ran it, and it you know I only had a couple of verses in a chorus, and uh, the results weren't as strong as some of the things you ran in previous episodes. Like, if, if you remember, listeners, Larry ran uh, you know an up against reality theme song and spat it back from suno.ai and rap country and metal and they all came back pretty solid <laughs> yeah yeah this one i i asked for country and i don't know it feels like it just recognized the language is too verbose mm. and it just couldn't find the right cadence <laughs> yeah it's really struggling to fit all the syllables in <laughs> i don't know if you have it queued up but... i do Hearts are singing Larry G, a dancing infinite place For love's equation intersect, creating cosmic race Though my body may be bound by laws of physics, it's true My love for you defies all bounds in a way that's simply new You are my event horizon, my celestial light The curvature of space and time, my heart's delight In this vast universe, you are my cosmic spark A gravitational force pulling me from the dark so let us dance among the stars, our love's a cosmic dance Two souls entwined in space and time and eternal romance But though my body may be bound, my heart is forever free Boundless, timeless, infinite love, our cosmic destiny <laughs> like wow. I gotta fit a lot of words in here. <laughs> I, mean, I think he needs to slow that down to like 90 beats per minute or something Take a breath, bro Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe country's not the right style for that song I don't know Yeah I don't know. And it'd be really cool, speaking of beats per minute, I know you said in the experiments you ran, and like what I just did, you can at least now dial in the genre. So maybe we'll get to those other things, beats per minute, maybe some other little instrumentation presets that we can suggest. Yeah, maybe Rush cool. was like the right band for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? If anybody could take super clinical, like multisyllabic things and make it into an interesting song, yeah. it's them. Yeah brilliant i used to dismiss rush uh, at least from a lyrical standpoint because i used to think it was too clinical too academic mm -hmm. but then then as i got older i was like man neil pert was really a genius with taking things that were super academic and you know well read and turning them into these really accessible poignant things i don't know if you feel that way about his lyrics but sure yeah yeah i'm yeah. not a rabid fan but i i definitely like them uh a lot and th there was a, when i was a real young kid some neighborhood friends and i put together a little neighborhood band and awesome. um my buddy dave who lived behind me his older brother was he had this gigantic tama drum set in the basement and he was a big rush fan and the drum kit showed that you know he awesome. had the roto toms and it was a double bass yeah huge drum kit and i was in awe of it i was this little kid i'm like oh my god that's that's big big brother joe's <laughs> super cool drum set man roto toms <laughs> yeah, yeah and then you know he let my friend dave play it and and uh 
we got together. I'll keep this short because it has nothing to do with AI. But <laughs> we got together and we would just play car songs because they were easy. Oh, we didn't yeah, have a bass were. player or a singer. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but you could all go. I gotta say, the first time being in a room with two or three other people playing together was just electrifying. It 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 excited me so much and. Uh, and his brother's uh, interest in Rush got me interested in them. And uh, I remember getting moving pictures on vinyl and, and listening to Still holds up. Yeah. What a great record. It's in heavy rotation in my life mm -hmm. still. But you're bringing back, you're bringing me back to every sweaty teenage basement I've ever been into. <laughs> and like those magic moments when you're playing in syncopation or like somebody's hitting a drum set right in front of you and it sounds like John Bonham. You know, yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh my God. And you're feeling this bass drum and you're like, this is, I remember the first time that it was impactful. It was really, really important moment. That's how we got here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why you're sitting behind that very expensive mic in yeah. that very expensive studio. Yeah. yeah. Magic. A couple other pieces of news that I thought we would kind of uh, wedge into our recurring segments of cheer and beer. Oh, and I was thinking we need a recurring segment of sonic experimentations where we can shoehorn suno ai and refusion whatever else comes our way just so we can kind of make that an ongoing experiment yeah yeah it's fun to play stuff and share that stuff the best so in cheer and beer this week one of the news items that came across our desk was an ai pest control a team of students at carnegie mellon's university's robotics institute has developed a robot called tartan pest that can detect and destroy the egg masses of the spotted lanternfly. Hooray! Yay! Hooray! <laughs> no more lanternfly. Have you ever seen a lanternfly? I don't oh, think I have. Oh, I have. Yeah. You have? Yeah. Yeah, I saw one a couple of days ago in our backyard. Really? I don't even know if I could identify one. Oh, what do they look like? They're very identifiable. Very. They're actually pretty beautiful giant moths. Well, maybe not giant, oh, yeah. but they're, they're very easy to spot. <laughs> spot um <laughs> yeah, yeah. and are they a nuisance like in your life are they are um they... not to the point where i'm like running out there and swatting at them all the time i, I i'm not seeing a ton of them <laughs> but like a year ago our neighbor when they first started showing up around here our neighbor behind us we just hear her all day just like out there just they were infested with them and we were right across the mm. fence and we had none Oh, interesting. It was so weird, but we have a lot more a lot more plantings now, and so they're more attracted to our place now. Well, this robot is for you, my friend. Yes. This robot uses a deep learning model to identify the egg masses and a rotating brush on the end of its arm to dislodge and destroy them. The robot could protect farms, your backyard, lower costs, and reduce, I like this part, and reduce the amount of chemical pesticides used yeah so that, that's kind of cool yeah very cool. Cheer, cheer and beer enough yeah i like it i'm gonna move on to doom and gloom yeah <laughs> this hasn't been doom and gloom enough for you this whole this whole episode yeah i mean this isn't necessarily super doom and gloom but uh, i could see how it could yes. be for some people uh right. <laughs> uh i'm not sure how to pronounce this Coatsmore. yeah it sounds good Coatsmore. Coatsmore. A uh, school in the UK has appointed an artificial intelligence chatbot named Abigail Bailey to assist <laughs> the human headmaster, Tom Rogerson, in his duties. It, it's, it's happening. It is happening. The AI chatbot uh, will provide advice on supporting teachers and staff members, as well as helping students with additional needs. Oh, boy. 
While this marks a step into the future for the school, there are no plans to replace human teachers or face-to-face -face education with artificial intelligence. So I love how every article about artificial intelligence finding its way into the workplace has to finish by saying there are no plans to replace <laughs> humans. Come on. <laughs> But we're testing it out. That's right. <laughs> I, I love the very English name, by the way. They gave it Abigail Bailey. That's perfect. Yes. In this week's AI Spotlight, I thought we'd talk about something a little different. I, In terms of social media, I enjoy Instagram, and I think, Larry, you do to, to an extent. Um, there's always some beautiful things on there, and we were talking about Tom Schmidt last week. His stuff is beautiful. Check out his feed. But the thing that caught my eye and has been continually catching my eye is an Instagram feed called Davy Jones. Um, and I think it's Jones with a zero as the O, Davy Jones. Yes. And I wrote here that it's equally disturbing and beautiful. I don't know if you got a chance to check out that feed. I but did. Yes. It's, I'd say a little bit more disturbing than beautiful, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's it's I don't know. Uh, um, do you know what he generated those images with? Does he get no into clue. it? No clue. They kind of nope. have a mid-journey kind of look to them. Uh, maybe, oh wow, maybe I'm starting to get a, a an eye for different uh, <laughs> AI oh, yeah. image generations. I but know, that's funny. These are yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly amusement park pictures, right? Yeah, like amusement parks gone wrong, or like, you know, <laughs> voyages gone wrong, encountering monsters in the jungle. One of the later ones I think I sent you, I think they were encountering some, I don't even know how to say it, Chutlu is like the uh, octopus-looking creature. Yeah of lore and they're like in the Amazon rainforest and people are screaming in horror. The thing I really love about it and the thing I, I love about well done images that are disturbing is like, I just feel like horror is such a genre that's been overdone and is now underwhelming and has very few new things to offer. Mm -hmm. So when I see images that are like mm. shocking, uh, I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of terrifying. That's like, I like to see that brought to life in cinema and like, you know what I mean? Like, and a lot of the compositions in the Davy Jones feed are in broad daylight, and they're super high color, and you know, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. it's cinematic, and like they're not lurking in the dark. They're not these mm -hmm. things emerging from dark. They're like plain day, scary things, like happening. documentary style. You know. Exactly. So I don't know. That intrigues me, and you know, and scares me too. I I don't know if you like horror at all, but when horror is done well, I, I really enjoy it. Reminded me of some video in, in a very different way. Just just the fact that there was uh, amusement park stuff that wasn't real. But did you ever see any of these videos of it looks like amusement park rides that are just impossible? No. It looks very legit. It's pretty well done CGI until you see like, oh, those people would be dead. You know, <laughs> like they're just these crazy rides that they kind of look normal at the beginning and then they start doing really wacky stuff. And, uh, oh, you know, the I camera's kind of shaky and it's not super sharp. And it's, you know, it's it's fairly convincing until you see what's going on, you know. But right. just defying the laws of physics. Yeah. And, and I was uh, like, oh, yeah. man, that's something I wish I had thought of. I would love to, mm. you know, <laughs> I would have fun. It's not too that. late. Yeah, it's not too late. There's, okay. there's still room. Yeah, it's probably yeah. easier now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You made me think of a couple of things, but talk about horror. Are you a fan? Uh, it not not a huge fan. I'm 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 more thriller or psychological, you know, thriller kind of guy. Um, yes, like mind game kind of. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, what was it? Cabin in the Woods. I dig that. That was really cool. I heard that was great. Yeah. It's kind of like a a play on all those horror tropes, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I don't want to say anything because that 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 movie takes a really crazy turn. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah that, I got to see it now. That's a good one. I I was just thinking because uh, you know, I do like horror when I find the right ones, and I think it goes back, and I'm not going to belabor this, to when I was exposed as a young boy to Alien on late night HBO, and it really. It made an impression on me. So when I do find something that isn't just purely jump scare and it's it's well done, like I don't know if you know Hereditary or Midsummer. Have you seen those? No. Those are Ari Aster films. They are unsettling, man. Mm. So if you if you, don't, if you don't mind going into that space, <laughs> they're they're worth watching. I remember as a kid, uh, the Amityville Horror. Mm. I, that yeah. gave me nightmares as a seven-year-old or whatever, however old I was, man. It was on TV, you know. And, I know. Oh, my God. I would wake up in the middle of the night and, like, think there was going to be tar coming out of the toilet. or yeah, you know, yeah. it was, that, that, Wasn't there blood coming down the walls Oh, yeah, all sorts of stuff, and... yeah. Get out of the house. <sighs> yeah, that freaked yeah. me out. I'll never forget the look of that house, too. Didn't it have uh, the chimney with the two, like, window eyes? Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. I'm getting I'm getting chills the just Lux talking about family. it. The Lux family, yeah. Ooh, yeah. is that who they were? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Poltergeist was a little bit more uh, uh, palatable <laughs> yes. for me as a kid. I loved that movie. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah a little more Spielbergian approach yeah. to the horror. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else, my friend, yeah. related to AI? Or we can again, we can go into our alternate, you know, tan tangent podcast yeah. from here if people want to come along. Stay tuned for the after show where we talk about uh, movies. <laughs> we talk about and, beer and, and movies. Yeah. So we're going to leave you with our listener question, of course. Uh, where will you hide when AI becomes self-aware? <laughs> we want to know, are you building a bunker? What you going to do when it comes for you? <laughs> AI, AI. <laughs> Sorry. Why are you so sweaty watching cops? <laughs> Did you ever see Step Brothers? That's one of the best lines from that movie. So yeah, hopefully it won't come to building bunkers, but things are going to change according to some people in 12 months. So let's uh, buckle up, kids. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on Facebook and throw us a rating. We'll see you next week. Oh, and also we're on Instagram now too. Yay. Yay, finally. Be our second and third followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody. This has been Up Against Reality. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people. 